Hi, and welcome to Leisure Time with Myla and Amber. I'm Myla. I'm Amber. And I'm Delisha. And today, we are interviewing our rotating co-host, Bud. Salute to the nation. All right, now, we are talking about incarceration and the effect that it has on the mind after freedom. And um, many of you don't know this, but my husband did some time. And um, when when it came to adjusting, it was pretty hard. And then we also have it from Amber's point of view because for a while she was a corrections officer. So I thought we all thought it would be interesting to kind of explore this because many people don't think about it. So um, Marvin, what was the hardest part about? adjusting to society after being incarcerated for so long give us give us background on your process um even now i'm not quite adjusted because i did 13 and a half years so you don't diserase 13 and a half years of incarceration and going on four years it doesn't happen like that um the hardest part for me then and now is building new relationship with people because when you're in jail and um, you doing a lot of time with guys and you're seeing them come and go, you know, going home, some going home, staying, some come, going home and coming back. But eventually you get into a, a routine, a habit of this, you know, not getting too personal with people. Because, you know, when people leave you, you know, like anybody else, we hurt. And um, so since being home, you know, I'm good at being sociable with people, but I'm not good at making it and maintaining those long-term relationships with people because it's just, I'm just wired like that now. Every time I, I meet a new person, new friend, in my head, eventually, you know, we're going to part ways. So I don't put as much effort into just being solidified or being that person that call you and check up on you and stuff every day. Okay. Um, you know, and that right there by itself is, is hard to kind of establish connections. Um, Amber, can you give us some like background on the goal? Um, you know what I'm saying? That's like, what, what is the goal when, when it comes to working with the inmates? Um, is it to isolate them or? Well, the motto is to uh, reintegr- reintegrate them back to the society. I don't think so. I mean, just in there, um, that's a messed up guard. Uh, I don't think it uh to help the situation. I mean, they, they do some things that make you want to get out and not come back. All guards weren't like that. Uh, when I worked there, I was one of those, respect me, I respect you, stay out of my way, I'll stay out of yours. Um, when I came in, you always heard people, oh, you the boss, you gonna run this facility, and it, it's really not that. Um, working there, um, they run this facility, really and truly. Uh, you're just there, coming in and out, and you have to remember, like, that's their home, and you're leaving, you coming there for what? your eight or your 12 hour shift, which one, ever one it is. Um, I just treated them with respect, you know. Um, they didn't want to be there. I didn't try to make 
life no harder. In my head, I'm thinking, hey, they already here. They already got, you know, the rough ends. Um, I'm not here to make their life no tougher, you know. Uh, only ones I gave problems are the ones who gave me problems. Give me problems, I'm going to send you through hell, hell and back. But uh, like I said, it's a reintegration society, but that wasn't really the case. I mean, you got some, you had some decent ones in there, and when you was talking about uh, getting them back in the mind frame, uh, I've met some who had a, a stable mind, but then you had some who, when they were released, you know, were very, well, about to get released very scared to get back to society because they didn't know what this uh, what was going to go on yeah. you know they'll do stuff to get extra cases so they can stay there yeah. something familiar with them we call that being institutionalized you know not wanting to get out and you know go be on your own one man set up and talk to me we talked for hours and he's like you know he had been in there I want to say since he was like 16 and he was maybe uh 45 going home and you know he was just saying you know um, I don't know how to pay bills, you know, I don't know how to drive, you know, I have to do, I've been here all my life, you know, I don't know how to do all this stuff, and I just told, you know, with time, you'll get that, you know what I'm saying, you got some people in the world who ain't been in jail, don't know how to do some of that stuff, you know, but some are scared to go home because of what their family may think of them, and, you know, scared to fail, but. I'm not like how you said of they're scared of the outlook that people might have of them because I still deal with that anxiety because a lot of people don't know that I've been incarcerated until I, you know what I'm saying, we're talking and I might bring it up. But like, I always, it's always in the back of my mind that people are looking at me with that stigma, you know? So a lot of times that makes me not want to go places and meet new people because, uh, because of that. And how society looks at a person who has went to jail Instead of a person that might have made a mistake in his life and that they might have learned from it, they look at it, oh, you're a criminal, you're a convict. Right. So that makes me not want to even just deal with a lot of new people because I don't want to have to go through that. Like, that's unnecessary anxiety and stress. And you know, like I know dudes in, incarcerated who have been incarcerated, we don't handle stress too well. Right. Right. And that's always the case, like you said, like some people think y'all different when I, I said not, not y'all, but the people who were incarcerated, this was some, it was some very short minds up there. And I was, when I first got impressed with uh, some people that I've seen, I would have to ask some people like, why are you here? It was one man, I forget his name, but he sticks out to me like every time I think about, you know, uh, me working at the prison. This man, he knew every word in the dictionary, you know, can play chess, like, one I ever saw in my life, you know, he, he was very smart. I used to always ask, you know, you here, like, why you here? And he told me the reasons why he was there, but he was just telling me about his background. He came from doctors and lawyers, you know, he was supposed to be a lawyer himself. And I mean, every time somebody would catch a case, he had to be the, the man they go to and ask him about this, you know, I'm going up to do this, this, this. Hey, well, tell him this. And I was like, this man is too smart to be here. You get a lot of intelligent ones up in there, creative ones. It was just amazing to see a lot of that in there. Yeah, I bet. It's, and that's simply because everybody has made some type of mistake. Um, but only, you know, certain people get caught. So, right, and some did make mistakes. Right. And that's why I used to tell them there's a thin line between you and I. Like, you made a mistake and got caught. I made a mistake, and I can very well be here with you, but I did not get caught. You know what I'm saying? That's why I say when you go in there, you have to have the mindset. These are for guards. Go in there with the mindset of treating people like people. You know what I'm saying? Don't treat them like trash because they're there. 
already having a hard enough time being there away from family. Right. When they're not feeling love, you know, when they get that letter call and I mean that roll call and nobody has written them or when they're getting uh ready to leave, they have no address to use, no one to go to, so they have to go to a halfway house, you know? Yeah. And also, like, what I noticed when my husband first came home is that he had a lot of trouble sleeping at night. Like, just just being in, you know, normal society, the, the anxiety was wearing in on him so hard that he had trouble sleeping. And he was the one of the ones that got out and didn't have no issues, finding no job, by keeping at the same job, then been promoted four and five times. And and was having these issues still coping and then also some people go in there wrongfully and that builds up a lot of resentment like my husband went in there when he was a kid 17 years old and then get out till he was 30 it's people do less get way get way people do more and get way less time so that's another aspect of it as well like um, we don't think about the turmoil that goes on in their mind because in, in his case it was unfair like you know he did the crime or whatever but it wasn't you know it's, it's other circumstances behind that however what happened was unfair and he just had to take it because there was nothing that he could do about it and that anger, you know, you could describe this better than I can because you the one went through it. I just had to watch, you know. It's like for us getting out, like we are angry at the world. We are angry at, at no. Let me put it this way: some of us are angry at the world. Some don't care. They, you know, that's stay routine. They go to jail, get out, and go back to doing what they were doing before. But me going in so young, I haven't had a chance to live life. They could have gave me probation. They could have gave me a chance. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. All that washed down the drain. I wanted to um, go to college. I was able to attend college while I was incarcerated, but it's not the same. You don't have the same experience as being on a campus. It was just you know, being angry at yourself for putting yourself in that situation. Uh, wasting your potential. It's just so much anger is built up and there's no correct ways to release it like my first seven years all i did was fight so when my grandmother died and my father died they wouldn't allow me to go to their their, um, their funerals because i was fighting so much you know and but there's nothing else to do like work, work out watch tv play chess and fight so all we do is sit in there and build up anger and animosity towards people that we feel left us that should have been there, although they're not required to, because we put ourselves there. So we get out, hurt people, broken people, and we make a lot of mistakes in society once we release, because there's nobody to talk to. There's nobody to relate to what we're going through. They tell us to go to church, but guess what? In the Bible, God ain't deal with these kind of problems, because they didn't exist back then. So we don't want to go to church. We don't want to talk to nobody in the church. You know what I'm saying? We need guidance, we need healing, but we don't have nobody to turn to. So it, it 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 leaves us in a state of a turmoil and confusion. Um, that's, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Marla. No, you go ahead. 
Um, I just kind of wanted to weigh in on what your husband was saying about um, his particular experience. And um, he said something earlier about stigma. And the reality of it is, especially when it comes to uh, Black men and Black families, that is a stigma um, that most other cultures have about uh, Black men and Black people in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think everybody can say, not maybe not everybody, but I'm pretty sure if we were to take a poll, if we had our listeners like chime in and take a poll of who all has family members that are incarcerated, quite a few people would be able to say, yeah, I do. I'm one of them. Um, it, and, you know, without even going into too much detail with this partic- about this particular family family member, the, the most heart... Uh, heart-wrenching thing about it is watching my mom uh, feel everything that she's having to feel with it and I'm just watching her go through this and I'm watching her go through it with her eldest child and so it's like um, it's really hard in that and from that standpoint because there's not a whole lot that you can do and when I was around visiting um, <laughs> Um, I, at one point I was told not to come back to move on with my life to let that person go and that was hard for me I'm like no I can't do that and they were insistent to just let them go um, and I can see how looking back that maybe they that they were just in a place or you know what I mean in a bad headspace they just didn't want me to keep you know being around all of that um, and coming up there to see all of that um but I can only imagine that it does get lonely, um, very, very lonely. Um, when you are you all were talking about reintegrating back into society, um, for some reason my mind <laughs> went straight to the movie Life. And even though we know it as a you know a, a, a comedy, there's a portion in there where the uh, young the young man he he's a homosexual, right? And so he is afraid. He's getting free. And they're like trying to celebrate the fact that he's going to be able to go home, like he's going to be out of that prison. And you, you, are, you, are, you know what I'm talking about? And yeah, yeah. Um, the no, the the he was the uh, what was the name? Yeah, yeah, I, I forget his name. But um, he um, but yeah, th- th- he's all depressed. Like, oh man, don't worry about that. Like, the world has changed, and the world world is different now and you can go back home and he was so scared to go back home that he rather had taken the chance of trying to run away and get shot and killed rather than go back to face the society around him um right the and that was a movie but bringing it back to real life do y'all remember the case of that young boy who got in trouble with some issue over a backpack and um he was incarcerated and I, I, I I think that he committed suicide while in, in while he was incarcerated a young black boy uh I, I wish I could remember his name I'm really sorry that I didn't um have it already but um but things like that um and that 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 that, that postpartum uh stress that you know what I mean that that traumatic stress that happens it doesn't just happen to uh people who are in the war or who are in the military it happens to people who go through incarceration and, and it right. also that trauma also affects those that are closely connected to them um so everybody is 
I, in, in a sense, who, who who knows someone or is close to someone that is incarcerated or who hasn't been incarcerated, I think they all feel a piece of that uh, trauma. They feel some piece, some piece of that trauma when they're closely connected. Uh, I was reading an article not too uh, a little bit ago I, uh, to share, and it was it's just about behavioral health, and they were just saying that um, how people that are incarcerated are at a higher risk for post-traumatic stress disorder and they um that they actually their risk is doubled it's nearly doubled that they'll suffer from that as opposed to someone that has been um in a military or has fought in a war so that just goes to show you how intense and i, I you know i've only visited a prison but I've never been in that situation myself but just reading these statistics and those numbers it just goes to show you like man it's real for those that, that are affected by that um, right. I, I read an article that um they was talking about the same thing and they were saying that the, the mental uh, anguish placed upon a person coming out of the um, incarceration is consistent with the PTSD of a uh, army soldier, and I can tell I done seen so much stuff down there till it got normal. It was normal for me to see uh, dudes get his head busted, get stabbed, or get beat up and beat up so bad they gotta get life flighted. Like these things were so normal for me that like when they happened, I didn't even blink. I didn't even. Uh, right. Wow. Right. And it became the norm. And when, yes. when he talked about that, some of those were like the action days. You know, when a day was born, if they didn't have that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If they had a fight, oh, that was a good day because they had some entertainment for that day. Like Freaky Friday for us was, okay, on Friday, you just call out anybody. Get up on the stairs, wrap your hands up, and y'all go in. That was yeah. Freaky Friday for us, beating the crap out of each other. And I went down there at a time where we were doing that. I took part in that. That was that was life for me. Wow. From uh, and I, I have a question. Just and I, I wanted from both of you, uh, use uh, y'all's opinion, um, Amber. And but I just want to know, like, how do you see the prison system, um, just opposed to mass incarceration and the majority of um, black men that are um, incarcerated how do you view it because um, I have a just I always had a question about um, and this kind of is going off the topic but being that you know that you all might have a little bit more insight than what I do because I'm from I, I don't you know what I mean I don't really I can just make a guess I have a speculation or a conspiracy but I don't really know but I've always viewed in situations where someone was like uh, they, they committed some kind of capital uh, punishment or something um, and they're on death row and they're on death row for years and years and then they're, they're given um, or people that are given sentences without any possibility of parole and my mind always wondered what, what, what happens or how is the prison itself the institution itself being um, benefited by the mass incarceration it's go ahead. I mean, it's not <laughs> really. This is okay. So someone was telling me that um, that's probably like one of the most outside of big pharma. That's one of the most um, probably one of the more richer industries in our nation. Uh, it is because it, okay, it really is. 
It is because you know who Bob Barker is? Yes, I do. Bob Barker had his own line of institutionalized clothing and shoes that we used to wear. Oh wow. Yes. Um the a lot of prisons are being Yes. Oh my a lot of a lot of uh, prisons are being privatized for that right there because they have uh board members now, they have stockholders who have stock in these institutions. Matter of fact, we joke about it in jail. Like when I get out, I'm gonna invest put me some money in, in, in the penitentiary because it's gonna always stay full. Like this is a it reality is. that we was, know. there was an article written on that too about uh so basically while you get the innocent people the blackmail so basically uh this is where these people's money come from so you get them okay. you get them to work for free so they're producing crops like uh, they, they do farm raising uh oh, the wow. crops you're getting free work oh yeah right and so that's how you make them richer because you're paying them nothing to do this you know so a person and I'm not trying to say that you know we have a right to decide who gets to live and who gets to die but a person that's on death row that they are saying that they're like three life sentences ain't no way you getting out ain't no way you ever gonna get parole we refuse to give it to you why are these people kept um inside of the prison system for years and years and years until they die of natural causes why is that I think it's a mind thing like I said you get these people to work so that that's free money right there you're growing my crop yeah you You gotta go back to the constitution and uh, and the clause of the 13th amendment you know what I'm saying 13th amendment freed the slaves but there's a clause in that that says that unless you commit a crime and have to go do time and if you go and look right after the 13 men was passed looking in the mississippi in louisiana areas and some probably texas too you had a lot of black people who were subsequently being incarcerated and working on these plantation slash penitentiary or farms down there yeah look go research um the plantations down i mean on the the prison down there in the mississippi ducks house they had so many black men incarcerated and working in there I mean, and it was legal. I think that we know we and just this just goes because this goes back to the movie reference, and I know it's a movie, but still, I think it painted a very accurate description of um, segregation and how black men have been viewed for the longest of time in our um, in our nation or nation. Mm-hmm. When they went to jail in the first place, okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and put myself out there. I just always watched life after they were in prison. I never saw it from the very beginning. So back in December, I watched it from the very beginning to find out how they got in prison in the first place. And it's exactly what, Marvin, you were just saying about the fact that you just somehow, oh, this is a crime that you, we just gonna say that you did. Because when you watching the movie, they did they they did not, you know what I mean? They didn't do anything to that man that was killed. But when the white uh, the, the white gentleman came around and they like, oh, what y'all doing? Oh, y'all killed this man. Well, we gonna say y'all did it. Then we gonna steal your daddy watch kind of deal. Um, it's it just it just circumstantial evidence there that says, oh, they did it. So let's just put them in prison for the rest of their life. Like no, ju- no like, jury, like the movie. no nothing. You you you're just in jail. Like the movie when they see us, that's that's accurate. Even when I went to trial, my judge, I'm the um, courtroom toy judge Denise Collins the woman was lying my judge even said that she does not believe everything this woman is saying but yet still they gave me 25 years wow and this is going back to the the first baby daddy he luckily he was acquitted but uh 
he spent what I want to say three years up in there for a murder that he did not do so basically someone came down from California got into an argument with someone around the corner um the guy from California honestly looked just like this man looked exactly like him he had like a knot in his head or something um got into the argument uh with the young lady uh her side shot her and her brother the girl they went up there they questioned the girl she was like no it wasn't him who shot me and just happened that day my daughter happened to be with her dad that day and I'm asking her I was like did y'all ever leave home and she was like nope he was here the whole time with granny and she I'm like so you sure y'all didn't leave home she was like no we uh we left earlier that day she said we went to Starbucks they went Christmas shopping he said she said when we got home he stayed with Granny the whole time. He didn't leave the house. He didn't leave me in the house. And so when they got the, I mean, they, they came to arrest him. First of all, my daughter's crying on the phone. She She's bawling on the phone. You know, they taking my dad to jail. Hurry up and get around here. And then I'm asking him, well, who did you shoot? I didn't shoot anybody. They don't have, I don't have blood on my clothes. No gunpowder residue. They, they tested for all this stuff. They didn't see all that stuff, but still took him in jail. That man sat there trying to prove his innocence for the longest. It took for his mama to get a private investigator. And when she finally seen the picture of the other guy, like, you know, he do look like him, but you can tell that's not my son. He sat there for a long time for something he didn't do. They plastered him all over the news, all over the newspaper. It was an embarrassment. Come to find out they acquitted him, it wasn't even him. But they had to pay all that money just to prove that he was innocent. You know, and then after that, people want to give an apology, like, "Oh, well, we sorry that we wronged you." Like in the case no, of- no, you don't get an apology. They don't care. What did you do three years you took away from his family? What, what? How are you gonna fix it? A sorry doesn't take three years away. You took him away from his daughter for three years. I wouldn't even let her go down there and see because I mean, I used to tell her that her daddy was on vacation. He went to school because I didn't want her to know where her father was. She was young. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and you so don't get an apology. You still don't give you. I mean, I know no, apology they, don't they fix don't. nothing, but still, I mean. No, they don't. Like they they are not going to admit wrong. They're not going to admit fault. I think that's one of the biggest issues, honestly, in my opinion, with why there's such a, a huge gap and disparity between African American men who are in incarceration or black men that are in incarceration and Caucasian uh, men that are in incarceration for similar crimes or worse. There's no real accountability. And because of that lack of accountability, it's one of the things that used to make me mad with people online um, when uh, the race relations were really high um, in America, probably it was, this is Obama's last term, I think. And this was Mike Brown and all this stuff going on, uh, Tamir Rice, all of that. So um, just spiraling off of that and the Black Lives Matter movement getting started and getting traction, one of the things that made me very angry with people online and they were saying that, well, black people kill black people all the time. And what made me angry about that is the fact that, yeah, you may have some black men that commit crimes against other black men and maybe even some black women, but they are not committing crimes against these people because they are black. I I, I hate to hear stuff. I hate to hear stuff like that because it's every race. Every race every race. Yeah. I hate stuff every like race you attack, you attack people within your proximity. You exactly. Know? And black men are not killing black men because they're black. Okay? They that, that's not <laughs> that is not that's not what happens. That is not is what I'm, when violence like that goes on in communities if you look everybody brings up Chicago. 
I, they always say, oh, Chicago, oh, Detroit. How do you explain that? Here's the thing. And I was trying, I literally was trying to explain to someone one day until I realized, you know, these people don't want to get it and they don't care to hear they it. Don't, they don't care. They don't care to hear it. They don't care. If, 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 if a young man went to prison because of something that escalated between him and another young man, I guarantee you he did not kill that other young man because of the color of his skin. I'm talking about two black boys. I guarantee yeah. you that's not why it happened. We're yeah, trying no. to point out the fact that there are people that are allowed to commit racial crimes against black people and are not held accountable for it. And you cannot, uh, you oh, cannot justify it when black people kill black people. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. But see, you got to come back there with, you got to throw it in their face about white privilege. Well, I was I stayed in the county 14 months, right? Okay. It was a little white dude in the same courtroom I was. He had came in and went out and came back in, what, twice? And he already knew that he was going to get probation again. Like, y'all, they already going to reinstate my probation. I'm going to go home. Bro, you just committed another crime. Nah, bear, look, tell me they could let me go home. Wow. Violated his probation <laughs> by committing another crime. And guess what? You see it all the time, though. Home. You know it's yeah. right because they label stuff in the paper. Oh, this uh, this troubled young man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, also when a, a young white man is 17, 16, 17, he's a teenager. But when it's a black man, young black man, 16, 17, they call him an adult. Oh, it's a cop. It's, 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 the word is different, also. Um, Amber, I wanted to ask you this from your side of it. Did you see that? I mean, I know you saw it in the media, but when you were actually in, in wor at work, did you see that? Did you see the difference between how Caucasian males were treated and incarcerated? Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The one that I, the one, the prison I was working, very racial, oh, very wow. racial. Yeah. And people even treated the guards like that, like we were some kind of criminals ourselves. You know, wow. if you talk, oh, you're establishing relationships. But it's just, you know, people are people. We're, we are people who talk to people. It's not like, you know, we, we hold conversations with everyone. If you talk to them too long, or you establish a relationship, but let the white girl go over there and do it. Oh, she's just talking to him. Oh. When it came to the girl, oh, you're trying to establish a relationship. Oh, you're probably wow. bringing things in. Wow. I got, I got one even better. I had an officer tell me that black people fight too good and we should be allowed to each other. Yes. Yeah. That's when I got my threat in the officer, officer case. You gonna just sit there and tell me that in my face, I will beat the brakes off you, fool. Yeah. And they try to hit me with a third officer case. Jeez. Yeah. Well, obviously the, the prison system is very flawed. It's more jacked up than people even admit or even say. It really is. And act like I feel like uh, that's why I be telling people, call up there and check on y'all people. You know what I'm saying? Y'all need to call up there. I mean, a lot of people, they be uh, reporting stuff and people, oh, that's just them because they in there. Nah, it it really be some stuff I feel like you, you yeah. don't get the, the fullness to deal properly and fight properly the way that it should be handled with a lot of these major issues because media is always putting out something as a more relevant topic. Oh, this is so important. Everybody put your attention right. on this. Everybody attention on this, attention on this. Put your attention on this. But wow, you're drawing everybody's attention to one issue. Go, yeah, go ahead. Because they don't feel like it's important because, oh, they're criminals. They shouldn't have did what they had to do, to, uh, what they did to get up in there. 
But at the end of the day, everybody's I mean, but meanwhile, correct. Right. So, right. Get a different conditions because you made a mistake. But meanwhile, all, though all mm-hmm. those issues nope. are, are well, escalating, like there's still an agenda behind the thing that yeah. the media is saying pay attention to. Okay, so you got our attention on this, and so we're not even thinking about issues like the prison system, and we're not thinking about issues like um, molestation in the homes and things like that. So our mind is not even on that. We ain't paying no attention. Meanwhile, that stuff is getting worse and worse and worse, and the effects right. of it are becoming even more so um, detrimental to, to the people that are involved. But nobody's attention is on it, like you were saying, because we feel like, oh, 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 well, that's what you get kind of deal. Yeah. And then when you take all of this, all all the the mental breakdowns and all the isolation and all the torment, and you put it in the free world, what do you get? A chicken time bone. A broken person, a person who cannot connect. Like that that has been one of our problems. Like it was hard. It's still kind of hard for my husband to connect. And we have different we have different viewpoints on affection. We have different viewpoints on like what what is necessary, just the basic necessary needs of a marriage. And a lot of that stems from him being isolated so long and not being able to hold connections with them that he has trickled over into the world and that's the whole battle by itself just to be able to make a connection with you know and now I'm understanding so you know we try to work through it but it's still like problem you know and it takes a while just so many years of Mm -hmm. being conditioned Mm -hmm. to this way and then you kind of you're kind of not sensitive to it too because you've been through a lot worse so this in his eyes what's big to me is little to him it's like whatever you know we don't have okay that's fine that's cool but it's a big deal to me because his sensitivity Mm. is gone it's not Mm. there so that becomes another issue and when it comes to dealing with other people too people like to say he's kind of harsh but he don't see yeah. it because for so many years of having to fight so many years of having to you know protect himself so many years of not having nobody he don't see that it's hard mm. so how do you you know and that's another thing they once they release you you on your own you gotta get that's your a- own counseling you gotta get your own wow. therapy $50 and they kick you out. And most of them don't have the resources to do what they need to do, which is why you mm-hmm. have gone back. Mm-hmm. My biological father, um, he has been in and out of prison my entire life. Uh, and one of the things that I find, found wrong, what the heck I was trying to say. One of the things that I find to be most upsetting about it is the fact that in my opinion he did not have to be in that situation because he had a good life Uh, the people that were drawing him away from his family and the people that were enticing him into um, substance abuse and all this other kind of stuff 
those are people that were already miserable that really were kind of wishing they could have that kind of life that he had at home a fan and things like that right and when you're looking at it from an angle of oh well I'm stressed or this is too much or whatever reasons that he may have had that time you get involved you start running with those people and in the end you turned out way worse than them and it, mm. it, it, it it's heartbreaking because even after all of that in my childhood uh, my adoption and going into life as a teenager I still wanted to be around my dad I still was like a little girl whenever I was around him I just wanted to be all up in his face I just wanted to be just uh, just underneath him that's, that, that's all I wanted I didn't care what you did but that wasn't enough yeah. for him and so because it wasn't enough he kept putting himself in situations and circumstances that um, that landed him back in prison time after time after time after time at the time like I'm like man how many more chances do you really get before they're like hey we done with you sir so you gotta understand like Go and I hate to say it but I done told my wife before like especially uh-huh. when I first came home I found myself missing mm, what do you mean what do you mean by missing it dude it's hard to explain but like when it's all you know okay. for so long that becomes wow. home I remember where I was going back yeah. saying institutionalized? That's what we're talking about. That's, wow. That's what it is. That's right. And then, and then that's a hump to get over um, by itself. By itself because you you start to act like that. I We would go places even now and my husband can't sit with his back to the door. Won't do it. And see, and me being working there, I won't sit my back to the door. I found myself coming home many days saying, child time. <laughs> <laughs> Week one, day one. Yeah, like that. And even just wanting to go places for a while, he would not want to go nowhere. Just work and home. Work and home. That's it. It took a while for him to want to get out. And then when he got out, it was too much. It was excessive. It was like, it was a taste of, you Because know, he missed so much. Yeah. He missed so much. Yes, and that's the thing. And I, we had to have a talk. Baby, you're not going to ever get this time back. Because he, he went through the phase where he was trying to make up for time that he lost. And things were appealing to him that a man a man his age and in his in his uh way of life or what they were not appropriate to uh, okay like that are kind of childish you know what i'm saying that that are kind of childish but he yeah. missed it yeah he missed it he missed the whole 20 he missed the yeah. 18s he got his college degree behind bars it's, you know, it's a lot that he missed and, and he would get in places sometime where he dwell on that. And we had to learn to like push past that. Baby, you're not going to ever get this time back. You can't live like this because this is, you, you're just not. So it's hard for him to kind of find that adjustment. I miss this. I feel like something missing and look to what you have now. So even now when I compliment him, baby, I'm so proud of you. You got another raise. You got another change in title. You know, like you you are doing good. He, don't congratulate me yet. I haven't did nothing yet. 
steady trying to make up. He can't even accept my appreciation because he's still trying to make up for what he missed out on. Wow. Amber, I have a question for you. Um, this might stir the pot a little bit. I like stirring pots. Um, my question for you in the situation with um, your your uh, child's uh, dad, your daughter's uh, dad, um, he was wrongfully convicted of something. Uh, he was, yeah, he was wrongly accused of something. Um, what 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 do you think would have been different had the had it had it not been a, a wrongful accusation and how does how do you all see that and then um i want you to weigh in on this too um how do you all see that when it's okay when you know dealing with family members um like oh you did something they said you did this so you must have did it no well he in his in this case he actually didn't do it versus how family and people treat you when uh you actually probably did do something you know maybe it was just a mistake or whatever else okay so at first when they they came to me i was absolutely sure i mean in the back of my mind i was like no he wouldn't do that but in the back of my i mean i was thinking no he wouldn't do that but in the back of my mind i'm like wow. Ooh, what if he did oh my it's like and i kept on going back and forth with that but i'm still trying to talk to my daughter did he go anywhere and i'm asking her this for like three weeks straight to start to stress her out she was like mama he didn't go anywhere he didn't go anywhere and i'm like okay now i know she wouldn't lie but then i'm thinking well would she lie for her daddy because she know you know that's where he gonna go but then I, it was like because he did have priors before all that but yeah murder was never that was never his he he'll fight i i can give him that he will fight at the most but just straight out shooting somebody because they shot him down he done got shot down plenty of times <laughs> he can't shoot nobody behind him but it is it made me angry when I found out that, you know, it wasn't him. Because now you miss time. Like, my daughter, she's asking where her dad is and why she can't go over there or why she can't see him. And I have to keep up this lie, you know. It was hurting her as well because, you know, children need their father. You can't go see him spending time with your granny and your sister and your uncle and your cousins. But never your daddy is there. I'm telling him, telling her, oh, he went out of town. He's on vacation. Well, when he's coming back, he usually calls. He hasn't called yet. And then when he is calling, you have to hear him from, you know, oh, you have one minute left. No. It made me angry because he missed out on so much. Wow. Mm-hmm. So were you angry with, like, with him or just angry at the whole situation? The whole situation, the whole situation, the people who, who went down there and was like, oh yeah, it was him because I saw him do it. The people who lied about it, because you, you had you had no feelings that he had a child, you know what I'm saying? You, that you taking him away from his child. You know he didn't do it. Why are you going down there testifying and say, oh, I saw him? If you didn't see him, why would you make that up? And then they're going to the girl and asking her, and she was like, no, it wasn't him. But then they put it off, oh, well, she was scared. She didn't want to say anything. No, she said it wasn't him. Take it for what it is. Um, on my end, um, people didn't think I did it because, <laughs> like, uh, everybody because like you a dog face Because like, even though even though I might have sold a little drugs and stuff like that, I was still a schoolboy. Like I I was on National Honor Society, man. I was a school. If if nobody else made it from from my projects, 
They knew yeah. Bud was gonna make it. And um, when it happened, at first they was in disbelief. Then they started like, man, if he did that, it was a reason why. And it was a reason why. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not gonna speak about that. But they knew that I wouldn't yeah. go just do nothing like that out of the blue. You know what I'm saying? That that wasn't me. I probably shoot at somebody or something like that. But to go do a robbery? Nah, like what's going on? What like why did he do that? Yeah. That's what they were more like. No, so you had the compassion and sympathy uh, or the benefit of the doubt from those that were connected to you. Because they knew me. They knew me. They knew They knew me. They knew I had standards and morals. This certain stuff. If I said I wasn't going to do it, I wasn't going to do it. You're not going to whoop me. You ain't going to make me do it. And so, and they knew how it was about older people, about kids, about people in general. Like, if I can yeah. help you, I'm going to help you. If I ain't got it, hey, look, we ain't got it together. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna break bread with you. So they they knew it was something. It was something behind. You it. made a comment earlier. You said um, way in the beginning of the podcast that uh, trying, you know, trying to find where you where your place is in society all over again. And you made a comment about like it. You can't really find yourself in church because essentially you know there's nobody's really dealing with it um in a way that i guess could be relevant because you don't really see that particular issue in the bible do you still feel that way that there is no um that there's no relevant um i guess help or comfort that you can find when it comes to church okay yep okay yep that's like that that doesn't that doesn't fill the void. Even the guys that come out, they deep in the church. If you ask them, they gonna tell you there's still something missing, and all they do is pray about it. Like we be missing something, and like we don't know what it is. Like I still feel it on a daily basis. Like, what's my purpose? Mm. I think a lot of people go through that. Um, that right. whole. Um, question of his purpose and... but about to say yeah. you don't have to be in jail to question that no I'm no it's that, no when I said I'm not speaking about on 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 a this a normal human trying to understand their okay. their place in life we really mean like like what am I what what do I Got like it. to do what do I want to do what 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 would make me happy like I told my like, like we got into a big blowout behind it one time, cause like she was trying to take me places that expose me to her friends and expose me to the things she want to do, and I had to tell her like, man, stop! I don't want to go do stuff you want to do all the time. I want to find out what I want to do. I want to find out what makes me happy. The stuff that make you happy ain't gonna make me happy. So stop trying to push it on me, cause that's why I feel like she was trying to push it on me. She was trying to help, but that wasn't helping. All it was doing is making me more yeah. frustrated. Okay. Okay, I feel you. Yeah, it's like this. They just don't know who they are, because who they were, who they was, no longer, no, it's no longer there because they're not in prison no more. Their they their position changes now. I, I don't have to. I just have to live life now without somebody standing up before me. Yeah. So when when nobody's telling me what to do, what do I do? Who am I? Right. Who am I? What do I like? You know. Yeah, and and we we gained that 
through growth. We grow, we gained that through experience. Um, however, they did not have those. They had different experiences. Let me say that. They had different ways of growth. And unfortunately, it's, it's of no use when you're in freedom. And that's just the bottom line. Like, it's just not enough done. It's, it's not enough aftercare. Yeah. And when you do get aftercare, it's only for a short period of time. And they, they don't even treat you like they you need. You like they, they treat you like wow. you're a drug addict. They treated my husband like a crackhead for the longest. This man ain't never did crack in his life, you know. I, I had one woman I was at um a halfway house because um I had to go through all these bur- bur- um, bureaucratic programs because you know they really get money for us for doing the programs too. So they sent me to a drug program, and I'm like I I, I committed a robbery. I didn't I don't I don't I didn't do anything with no drugs, but they sent me anyway. And then afterwards, I had to go to uh, the Cheyenne, um, Cheyenne um, Center right there off of 59 in Houston. And um, they, the woman threatened to send me back to jail because I had started working. And she was like, well, you're not programming. You All, all you do is go to work and come in. You do you do your counseling. Um, if You're going to have to choose. Either you're going to continue to work or I'm wow. going to send you back. And, and I had to tell the woman. When y'all finally out and try to get on the straight path, yeah, you got I had to say it, but it was a black woman. And I had to tell her, and I told her, okay, I, I say, ma'am, I've been incarcerated since I was 17. I'm not afraid of going back to jail. That's one thing, us guys coming out, we're not afraid to go back. We don't be in. But then I also, I also had to tell her, I said, I'm not a drug addict. I say, look at what I'm locked up for. I said, you telling me not to go work and make money to take care of me and mine? I say, you're going to make me go out there and commit the same kind of crime I did that put me in there. And then another thing it boils down to is the examples. Like, even though there is no help, sometimes in in regular life, we could find somebody just to be an example. And, um, you know, when people don't want to deal with people, there's not really a lot of good examples for them. And then they start to pick up bad habits from other people. and, And it's just a mess. I just think that some, like, when you come out, this is my personal. You should isolate yourself from from people, you know? Try to get stuff done on your own. Like these people, like you hear them all the time. Oh, he ain't fooled me when I was up in there. I ain't come visit me, send me no money on my books. And you just go hang with these same people? Hmm. Get them. I'm not riding nowhere with you. You ain't have nothing to say to me then. Don't have nothing to say to me now. I'm not going to fall back in that same crowd. Find something different. And don't rush, don't rush to do things like get married. Don't rush to do things like even get in a relationship. Find out who you are first. And I say that with with every type of respect for anybody, like even to my husband, don't rush. Sometimes you, you so in a hurry to catch up that you bite off more than you can chew. And then in that, you, you make a big mess because you wasn't ready. You don't even have the capability to do these things that you take on because you haven't grown in that in that way. But then that's, that's the thing. We don't know. We don't know. And, and when we are down there, we be in these books, we working out, we are hand game good, we fighting all the time. So we feel like we have it together. Yeah. We feel like we, we, we Superman. 
and we get out into free society and mm, then we find out really we win the men. That is a really, really good point. Um, my husband made a comment one day to somebody. I don't know. I think they were asking us about um, our marriage. And he made the comment that he said, you know, um, there were things that she was saying that I, I was being a type of way. And I'm like, I ain't, I'm not being like that or what have you and so because he he did not see like you said because he didn't see that he couldn't see it he had no inkling of what the heck i could be talking about it was just one of the things all right man okay right you're tripping i don't have time for it and so you know fast forward a couple years into this thing and now he's like oh hey i see what you were saying now uh, and, if, and if that's what he, right, you know, what he experienced, not having being incarcerated, imagine how much more someone is, you know, I can, I can imagine how much more it must be for somebody that's right been in it. You got to think about it. You're telling us that, like a person telling us that, oh, the way I've I've, I've lived and survived for so long that it's wrong. That that it don't compute. <laughs> it does not. Compute. But this is what has kept us alive, kept us safe, kept us sane. Not too much, but in, in some type of way, it kept us sane. You know, so we we don't understand that this is not how we, we are supposed mm. to operate because it's, it kept us alive. That's such a good point. That's, That's so right. many good points. I, <laughs> I've enjoyed this. It's really... Yes, me too. And I, I think this is a really good place to wrap it up here. Um, we have, you know, talked about everything in every aspect. And I want to thank Marvin um, and Amber for opening up y'all's personal life, you know. Yeah, I know, babe. But, but I'm sure this is going to help somebody. You know, like if you, if, this is gonna definitely help somebody so if y'all have any questions or comments um leave them on our leisure time with the violet and amber page you can find us on facebook um at leisure time with violet and amber um thank you for the rise and views we love y'all um delisha would you like to i'm just thankful thank you maya oh oh lord i'm thinking about my sister thank you myla thank you amber for um, letting me, you know, be a part of this. Uh, thank you, Marvin, uh, for sharing your experience. Um, like Myla said, for just kind of opening up, being very transparent about your personal experience from both sides of it. It's really cool. I think that um, anybody that is, that listening can can find something in this to relate to, and hopefully they will find something to help them get some new perspective. All right. Amber, do you have anything? I don't have anything. Okay, y'all. So remember to take the Lord with you everywhere you go, even in prison, even out of prison. And also, um, you can still be holy. You can still be godly and have these conversations because they are healthy. Okay? It's healthy to communicate as long as you communicate it effectively. Okay? So um, until next time.